Welcome to the Channel Champions Podcast, powered by Evolve IP, hosted by Zach Anderson. Today, we'll explore the always evolving landscape of the IT, telephony, and communications channel. If you are a trusted advisor, strategist, IT consultant, or sales engineer, this one's for you. Today's guest is... This is the Channel Champions Podcast. This is episode seven. I have Mr. Eddie Acosta with me today. Eddie, thank you so much for coming on with me. Please let everybody know who you are and uh, we'll go from there. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here, Zach. Thanks for the invitation. I'm Eddie Acosta. I'm the Vice President of Sales and Business Development for North America with Avant Communications. Excellent. So you were just telling me you've been with Avant for, well, you've been in the, in the space for a Nine, 10 years. Is that right? I've been on this TSD side, formerly known as master agent side for the last nine years. Yes. Okay. And so um, what were you doing previous to your time on the TSD side? Well, I operated on the direct sales side. I led teams from a sales management perspective. Um, let's see, I've, I've done wholesale services as well. Sold transport and IP at a pretty big carrier. And then I kind of dabbled in between being channel management, channel director for a number of years before joining the TSD uh, space. So I've had about 25 years worth of experience within the tech space. Mm -hmm. Everything from mobility to layer one, layer two, layer three, to layer seven, to you name it, I've kind of dabbled in a little bit of it all. That's awesome. So what, um, what compelled you to go from the carrier side to the TSD side? Um, you know, this is really funny. There's a guy in this uh, in this business named Brandon Smith. He's a fairly well-known guy. Um, he brought me over to Intellisys, and we were going through this this process where he was courting me for a little bit, and I knew him, but I didn't really know him well. We kind of ran in the same circles, but again, I never really hung out with him, didn't really get a chance to know him. And he hit me on LinkedIn. We were going through um, a little bit of a back and forth. And I'm like, man, I don't think I want to go that side. If I go to that side, I will never be able to go work for a vendor again, right? Like, and so it kind of it kind of worried me for a little bit. And he goes, you know what? You need to you need to sure to get off the pot. All right. And like he called me, he basically called me out. And I'm like, no one, no one tells me that. I'm in. I'm in. All right. I'm in. Bring me, send me the offer. Let's get this thing done. Okay. So we get the thing done and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I don't have a widget. I don't know what I'm selling, right? right. <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to talk to partners about their, their businesses and how to operate it. So I'm a little bit of a financial planner. I'm a business planner. I'm, uh, I'm their friend. I'm their, like, it's, it's this crazy thing where I have no control any longer over the products that I'm selling, but it actually worked out great. And that was probably the best decision of my life. Hmm. What was it about it that made you interested in it? Because it seems, you know, especially for me, um, I'm only eight months in with Evolve IP and yeah. eight months in this channel world, right? So it can be, you know, when you're first starting out kind of ambiguous, what what is it that a TSD does? So, you know, what what was so exciting about, you know, what he was saying that, that made you even interested in the first place. All right. Well, well back in 2014, um, when I first got into this space, these, these programs were probably not as well built as they are now. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I was like the sixth channel manager that was brought into the company. Me and another guy named Mark Fanuff, who lives up in the Northeast, started the same day at a company called Intellisys. Mm-hmm. And Intellisys didn't really have a big presence down here, but no one did, right? Because there were like TSDs didn't really operate. When I was on the channel side, I was doing all my own legwork. There weren't none of these boot camps and power ups and amplified events and, you know, none of this stuff. It was really, really small back then. So we put on some like regional trainings and we started getting out there and bringing partners in and introducing them into vendors and um, really trying to get that vendor ecosystem a better, better established with the partner community. And what we found was there were events taking place and the events are still taking place today, right? There's layoffs, there's, uh, there's company downsizing. There's, uh, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things where people just decide I'm tired of working for corporate America. I think I'm going to go start my own business. Right. And so they would call me and I used to sign them all up and say like, yeah, this is great. Let's bring you on. Let's bring you on a couple of years into it. I didn't realize like how much it affected people's personal life when they made some of these decisions. So sure. like you're, I'd say like year two, I started to see, you know, some, some people like gone through like, I, I'm going to do this. I haven't told my wife yet, or I haven't told my significant other, but I'm going to do this. I'm like, listen, dude, slow up. You, you slow down just a little bit. You need to go talk to them about this because this could be, this could be big. I think I can, I can sell stuff quickly in like the first 12 months. I think I can hit this number really run. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets shocked by the amount of vendors you have to work with. And so it's like paralysis by analysis. Right. And the first 60, 90 days is a partner trying to figure out where everything is at and how to navigate the waters. Hmm. So when that, that wears off, they're like, shit, I haven't sold anything. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're digging so deep into their savings accounts and their personal funds that they've been stacking away for for years that mm-hmm. it becomes eye opening, right? And uh, money is like is, is evil. It can create some some bad things. And so I saw some divorces take place. I saw I saw some crazy things take place. And I don't wish that on anyone. So now now when people are coming into the system, like is everybody bought off? You got at least a year to 18 months with a run rate for you. Mm-hmm. That's really what it's going to take. And your first deal that you close, it will not pay you in 30 days. That first deal will pay you in six months. <laughs> so right. hopefully you close a lot of deals and it becomes a drip and then a waterfall at some point. Right. But I have seen some great success stories too. So there's, there's not all bad stuff that takes place. I've seen, I've seen some partners come through and close the largest deal in UCAS history. Largest deal in, you know, in network history. The largest, I mean, I've seen some record breaking things take place and that's really impressive. And it's also fun to see partners that you started with that were like just getting into the business and when they become successful. That is awesome. So hopefully you were a part of it, right? You kind of helped navigate into those waters and they got to that point. Um, that, that's always fun to see. Yeah. So when partners come on board with the TSD, is it generally, I mean, what, what, I guess what percentage of partners that come on board with the TSD are brand new, you know, companies versus, um, they already have an established, you know, book of business sort of thing. I mean, what's the breakdown look like there? It's, it's normally a, a lot newer partner to the business that's coming into a TSD on a regular basis, unless there's been 
you know, some, some bad blood or history with the TSD they're currently working with. I see. Um, so it's probably like 75% new, 25% existing partners that are working with other distributors today. They're, they're looking for another home or looking to diversify for some reason, <clears throat> but it's, it's probably 75% new. And it's a whole lot of enablement. It's a whole lot of handholding. It's, uh, look, I know you used to put your quotes together. Stop doing that. We are here to help you scale. Mm-hmm. So when you spend that hour doing that, you could have gotten that time and used it to prospect or used it to market or do whatever you want, we want to do besides doing the back office stuff. So as a TSD, we're here to help you scale. That's our whole objective, right? Mm-hmm. We want to do the hard things for you well and make you look really good in front of your end user. Sure. So leverage engineers. Um, I, we had engineers when I started at the TSD back in 2014. There was another program that had engineers before we had engineers and kind of like where, where I'm at right now, Avant was the first technology service distributor ever to employ engineers. And then we saw the other distributors starting to kind of make make the same investments of those people. So I will say like platform was developed here and then other folks developed platforms as well. And so now everyone has a platform. Everyone has engineers. Everyone has people in major NFL cities. There are more partners now than there were ever before. I think when I first came in the industry in 2014, there were like, I think I had 77 partners. Hmm. By the time I left that, that Intellisys, there were, there were like 700 partners that we had brought on. We were bringing on between 80 and 120 a year. And we were working through like the top 20% and we were trying to get the other ones going, but. In order to get the other ones going, you have to keep reinvesting bodies and putting them in there to help them, right? So mm-hmm. I was managing like six or seven states at the time by myself as a channel manager, and that's hard to scale. Yeah. And that's a little bit different than what you're doing now, huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely a little different than what I'm doing now. I mean, now I'm, I'm putting people in there, um, and we're making big investments in, in that next partner community because, right. you know, private equity is in our business now, and it's making acquisitions, and it's causing a little disruption, and there's... There's super, super agents that are out there that are all now coming together and they're using their buy power and their sales efforts to get direct agreements as well. And so, you know, the business has changed completely from what it was in 2014. Mm-hmm. Back in 2014, I was trying to convince people to stop signing direct agreements. And I would tell you right now, most TSDs will tell you not to sign a direct agreement. Most partners will say don't sign direct agreements. I've seen terrible things happen. I've seen partners that have had direct agreements with companies like Switch and Data way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Equinix came in and bought them. Um, basically said, look, we're, we're not going to honor this agreement any longer. We're going to stop paying you. And I now have partners that are channel managers in our business because their business completely imploded when the vendor decided they didn't want to have a channel ecosystem any longer. Mm. So, you know, having having the ability to leverage volume and big organizations like ourselves with general counsel on staff to negotiate agreements and, and, and your best interests, right? We're putting all the things in that are going to protect you. It's a better opportunity for you to work through a TSD than it is for you to have a direct agreement. Mm. One or two points difference is it could be detrimental <laughs> to your business because you got greedy. Right. And I've seen people get cut and uh, it's not good. Yeah. 
It's wild. I was thinking about something that you said earlier about how many more um, advisor agencies are in the channel today um, than when you first started. Um, When you said there was probably, I mean, and that's something that I, you know, I'm obviously the marketing guy. So part of what I have to do is understand the size and scope of, let's call it the agent partner advisor community, right? <clears throat> so when you when, when you first started on the TSD side, what do you think the total market was? Uh, market meaning advisor community. Like what what did that look like nine years ago? Um, it was probably like three to five hundred TAs, like three wow. to five hundred trusted, trusted advisors, and then it I mean it imploded and or exploded. It's it's well over three thousand. Wow. And now the trusted advisor looks very different, right? It's it's $60 billion in publicly traded bars that are sitting out there now acting and operating as trusted advisors. It's MSPs that are operating as trusted advisors. It's traditional agencies that are operating as trusted advisors. It's AV, AV companies now that are operating as trusted advisors. Everyone is operating as a trusted advisor. There is no profile that tells you one is better than the other. And frankly... I'll tell you what, I've kissed a lot of frogs. Like <laughs> someone said they're gonna sell a million dollars, and I'm sitting here going, I believe you. And the person that was the least suspecting is the one that actually did it sometimes. Hmm. And so it was I I don't know if it's uh, how you qualify them all, but we all qualify people differently. And I'll tell you that I've got really great tenured channel managers that qualify people the wrong way. And I would be guilty of it as well. There are people that I thought were going to be killer. that didn't do shit. Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, and yeah, I talk about my, uh, my infancy in the channel. Um, and, and I'm so grateful to have, uh, to have the opportunity to do these episodes, uh, especially with people like you, because you're so versed in this stuff, but you know, um, the differences between, MSPs, VARs, AVs, uh, TSDs, then you've got distributors like the, you know, uh, Ingram micros and stuff like that. I still today, like I'm, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was like, what is, you know, what is the comparison? What is the analogy that you could give me between a TSD to an advisor, to a distributor, to like a, would it be a VAR? Would it be a... (laughs) What is it? Yeah. <laughs> help me. Uh, Eddie, I, help me. <laughs> look, I, I, you know, we call ourselves TSD, TSB. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very different because what we focus on are as a service products. Right. And these aren't items that we resell or white label. These right. are items that we provide directly to your, your the trusted advisors and user by introducing companies like Evolve directly to them. And the end user executes the agreement directly with you. Um, when you look at the traditional traditional distributor like the Synexes of the world and the Ingram Micros, they're selling boxes and hardware. They're also selling solutions, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they are selling it with a markup on it and they're white labeling it and sending it off. And so they're collecting the payment versus the end user paying the vendor directly for the payment. Mm-hmm. And okay. so we we don't we don't rebuild any of that stuff. Frankly, I look at it thinking, why would I want to have inventory? Why would I want to deal with supply chain issues? Why would I want to carry any of that overhead? 
I, I mean, this is pure gross profit with none of the stuff that's required to, right. to carry from inventory perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I interestingly, there's, so there's TSDs that are also distributors, right? And they have like direct salespeople. So how does, <laughs> it's yeah. just so, it's just so like interesting. So, so we don't we don't operate like that, right? I think there's um, there's a place for everybody. Yeah. There definitely is a place for everybody. We would rather support and serve the, the greater audience and not compete with them, right? And I and we want to train and educate you so that you can crawl, walk, run, and do this on your own. That's really what our goal is. But also at the same time to help you scale by providing all the resources that we provide. Mm-hmm. There are other TSDs that operate just slightly differently where they, they'll go hold your hand. They'll sell the deal for you, but at, at quite a haircut, right? Like, but it's also, that's the cost of the sale. It's expensive for them. They're, they're driving out. They're creating the meeting. They're, they're doing the technical aspect of it for you on your behalf while you're sitting back and doing something completely different. And so for, there are places for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that wholeheartedly, like every, everyone's got a spot here. Right. But what I will say is, you know, look at us now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the first time I jumped, when I joined Intelsys, there were probably 70 or 80 employees there. Wow. And uh, by the time I left, there were over 2,000, 2,500 because of the ScanSource acquisition of them. And then when I got to Vaughn, there were probably 80, 80 people here. And I was feeling, I was feeling pretty nostalgic, right? Going like, I'm back to a place that was kind of similar to the way my culture was when I first started in the business, which I loved and got really ecstatic about. Mm-hmm. About nine months in, private equity came in and, and enhanced what we offered. Mm-hmm. And we doubled in size. And then we made the acquisition of Planet One. Mm-hmm. We had a very similar culture and model behind us. And that, that whole integration has been awesome. I And the people that came along with it, I couldn't ask for a better crew. They're like my tribe. Mm-hmm. They're all my tribe. Uh, we all we all get along really well together. It's it's been awesome. But yeah, I mean, we were all like in that that low fifty to eighty employee count. Now we're over two hundred twenty people. Some of us in the thousands, and we're we're trying to build a better mousetrap for the the trusted advisor, right, to go help them win deals. Mm. And we're all playing in the enterprise space now. We're all playing it. We're all winning big deals. We're all we're all setting new new levels of success. It's just awesome to see. It really is. And um, so Avant is only how how many years has Avant officially been uh, Avant? Um, we are going on fourteen years. Fourteen years. Okay. Okay. So at the time, so there was really so at the at the beginning of time there was Intellisys, <laughs> and then you know, there, there were other people. Before that, like that's this is the crazy part. I think everyone thinks like the Intelsis is the oldest here, but Planet One was was around when Intelsis was was around as well. Mm. And even before, even before that, there were companies like gosh, it was in the there were there were many masters or many TSDs all around the country that had they made a pivot here or made a slight adjustment there. They may have been the Intellisys. They may have been the Planet One. They may have been the Tolaris. They may have been the Stanley. They may have been one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a partner in the Midwest that actually Tolaris used to run their AT&T business through. And like 
they grew, they made investments. It's business decisions that you, you got to decide that you got to get out of the way, let other people operate and put their own vision into your business. When, when you're a business owner, hiring better people than yourself really makes a big move for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw, I saw this firsthand. Um, I was working for Intellisys and, uh, it was, um, Rick Deller, you know, Rick, Rick and Rick, Rick and Dana were operating the business and they had put Jay Bradley in charge. He originally was marketing, running sales and marketing. And, um, back then there were a few other folks there, but when Rick decided that he was going to let Jay run the business, there was a whole different dynamic that took place. Hmm. Jay said, Hey, we really need to rest, invest in the right people and grow this thing and start adding channel managers regionally. And that's when they started making these hires. And, you know, I, I think that's when we started seeing like record breaking years because we we're providing better support. Mm. And, you know, I look at some of the other programs that didn't invest in putting leadership in. They didn't invest in channel managers. They didn't make those, those big investments around the country. And had they done that, yeah, it would have been really good. Mm. They, they could have been, they could have been the person you're talking to right now. Right. right? And I might've been working there. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so excuse my naivety, if that's a word, um, can advisors work with multiple TSDs? Is that, does that happen or do you? Yeah, it happens. They, they all, it all, it happens. You know, we, again, there's, we don't all have the same portfolios. Some of us have different, unique or exclusive providers and it's exclusive for just a short period of time, but that sometimes opens up the door. Um, for a partner to come through. Maybe they were trying to sell um, a, a provider in a portfolio that wasn't available in their current distributor model. Mm. And the, you know, the provider they're working with goes, hey, you know what? We've got an agreement with this organization. You need to talk to them, especially if you want to sell this product. It just makes it easier for a partner to get compensated on what they're working on as well. They can push, they can push to get the vendor into the ecosystem, but they have no idea like what, what's currently in flight. There may be 11 vendors in flight that a TSD is onboarding and trying to get through the system. And we just onboard someone for the sake of onboarding. Well, that the vendor doesn't always get vetted as well. So we don't, we don't all do it. And sometimes it costs us, um, but some, sometimes we gain from it as well. Right. So it's right. Hmm. Interesting. You know, uh, one of the things that I'm really trying to do um, just with our advisor community is this idea of agent enablement. And um, I think I'm trying to take sort of the stance that a TSD would in that, you know, as a supplier, as the, the marketing guy at a supplier, my whole job should be like, how can I make the advisor's life easier? You know, what resources can I provide and stuff like that? So tell me about like, what it's been like, or, or some of the things that you've learned um, to help advisors in that enablement strategy. Like, what are some of the things that you've been able to uh, to pick up that that helps them really grow their business? Finding the right programs to align them with are huge, right? Because we we find partners that sell a certain category of technology, and me just introducing a category to them that they're not really selling doesn't help them. Mm-hmm. It maybe causes a little bit of angst or it causes a little bit of a distraction to them. Um, people make the biggest difference. Uh, I will tell you that 100%, right? So if, 
there are channel managers in our market that it's really easy to be a good channel manager. It's be responsive, be proactive, be available. In, in DFW, where I reside, there's probably 60 plus channel managers here. It, it has the second highest population of support from a, uh, a vendor perspective behind New York. I, mean, I think New York has a large volume or concentration of it right now. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe 20% of it do it really well. Mm. And so, unfortunately, not everyone gets the right you know, swing with a partner because I don't want to set that partner up for failure with this program that's not going to reply back to them because the individual's just not good. Mm. So there are there are, and you can look at this. You'll see heat maps around the country. We use TSTs to look at it. We may be selling the program really well in, on the East Coast or the West Coast, but not here in the Central. And a lot of times, it's due to the people. It's mm. not the program. The program's awesome. It's it's the people aren't aren't as, as good in that with that particular provider. Um, from an enablement perspective, though, what we're doing more frequently is we are introducing our engineers to them early and often. Mm-hmm. making sure they know how to use the resources. We're also doing multiple onboardings with them because, you know, some we, we, we'd sign a new partner up. They'd come in and we'd sh- throw the kitchen sink at them, right? Spend an hour showing them a platform and expect them to run with it. Right mm-hmm. after that additional experience, that no one's going to absorb all of that in that first hour. So we mm-hmm. normally look to re-onboard them again within the next 30 days, ask what they've been doing. We can look at all the analytics behind what they've actually been logging into it, seeing and the number of things that they're actually doing with it. But we we call them back and they're like, you know, I just got lost and I stopped doing it. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's let's start over. Let's do this again. And let's set this now every every six to eight weeks just for a review and recap. And we find that if you if you make a little bit of that investment and in doing that a couple of times over and over and over again, you get really good. You get really good engagement but enablement from the partner. Mm-hmm. And if you introduce them to people, they start building relationships with those folks, like our engineering team or our pricing people or channel managers. Um, once you introduce them to the right folks, they really start to scale a lot quicker. I think the ones that avoid using help are the ones that struggle. Mm. That is interesting. That's what one of the things I was going to ask you too is like, what do you think? You know, you, you've seen advisors do really well you've seen advisors not do really well um so i mean from the tsd perspective i mean what do you think aids in their success and furthermore the ones that didn't make it was it just because they didn't use their resources or was there something else you have to have you have to have drive and desire right like this (laughs) It's just doing this doesn't mean you're gonna have a lot of success. Um, the ones that have the ones that have leaned in with the resources that are invested mm-hmm. for, for me to build a platform for Talars, for Intellisys, for Sam, for all of us to build a platform, clearly there's a need behind it. Yeah. And it's not cheap. I mean, these things are built on Salesforce communities, they're built on Azure, they're built on AWS platforms. We are building in and spending tons of money to support the partner community. And I don't think they realize it. Ah, it's the same stuff. Everyone's got the same stuff. No, we, we are doing research and using that research to uncover what's going to help you sell more effectively. Mm. We're putting together 
sales campaigns. We're putting together sales training methodology for you. The things you used to get at a vendor when you worked there and you kind of took for granted, you kind of need. Maybe you're not as good of a salesperson as you thought you were. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to help by making these big investments. If they're not using those tools and resources, they're probably selling just a, they're probably using a percentage of what their success could be. Mm. That's yeah. And it's, 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 it's tough too, because you, as the TSD, you put all these things in place, you have the data to back up why it's working for some, but then, you know, it's, 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 it's like you want to shake them and say, Hey, like this actually will help you. But, um, I guess some people are stubborn, right? I, well, I think, I'm, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it, right? I mean, some people are stubborn. Some people just don't trust the process, right? I think there is a process behind anything, just like anything else. If you follow these guides or you follow this, this path, you're going to be, find some success in it. Mm -hmm. If you don't find success in it, you're probably going to, you're probably going to decide you're going to want to go a different path, especially if it doesn't take place early enough. Hmm. Well, um, you know, yeah, but see, I mean, obviously it's working for you guys. I mean, that's, uh, you just rolled out, uh, the new portal, which is great. Um, I, yep. I don't think I'm able to see the improvements from a uh, supplier side, but I've heard great things, um, which is really exciting. And speaking of portals, <laughs> one of the things that I've been working on and, uh, uh, going through myself is, this idea of vendor portal and managing our, you know, our partner portal versus should we just put more effort into our partner? You know, yes. And uh, after the research that I've done and, you know, basically everybody is just saying, just put, put it on the, the, the TSD portal. That's where I go. That's where everything that's, that's where everything lives. I don't have, the bandwidth to remember 15 different logins for vendor portals. And, uh, you know, and maybe that's, I don't know, you tell me, was it like that five years ago? Was there a time when vendor portals were more popular? Um, or no, there's never been a time where vendor portals. Were popular. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it just makes it, it just makes it more complicated. Right. Yeah. So, you hit the nail on the head. I don't want to remember 15 different username and logins to get into a, a vendor. And if, frankly, I, I don't even have to do it to be quite honest with you. I can go back to the TSD and I can send them the information and they'll go log into the vendor portal on my behalf and they'll go do the deal registration. So why do I even need to remember it? And I really don't care about the, the branded paperwork because they already put it in the TSD's portal anyway. Mm. So I've got it all here. So it's, you know, I, I think. I think if I were in your shoes, I can understand why you'd want to create a portal. You want to drive um, some loyalty in. You want to also make sure that people are remembering you and they're logging in. They're using it more frequently so you can get an unfair share, right? Because all your competitors are creating a portal. Right. I don't really know that it helps anyone. <laughs> the portal is only helpful if I can self-serve and create my own contract right there. Mm, that's good to know. Yeah. That's when it's helpful. Like you're going to speed up my sales process. Yeah. I'm going to go on that portal. I'm going to create that contract and I'm going to get it out for signature because half the time 
I, I can't tell you how many stories I've run into where the partner has been asking for the agreement from the channel manager. And the channel manager may or may not be putting it forward or if something's going on. They can't get the agreement out. Maybe it's sitting in business ops or it's going through finance to get, you know, all the, the approvals that need all the T's crossed, the I's dotted to make sure this thing is profitable in nature. Days go by. I mean, days could cost you deals. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that I've seen that happen firsthand where one program took too long. Partner went to another program. The other program kicked out the agreement in a day. That other, that other program won the deal. Mm. That's uh, one thing I'm, I'm always curious about is like how much influence the TSD has on the advisor choosing which um, supplier to go with, especially considering you know, we talk about um, Microsoft Teams, for example, like there's a lot of suppliers that sell Microsoft Teams. So like from your perspective, how much are you call it suggesting, you know, one supplier over another for a specific uh, solution that a lot of suppliers sell? We normally leave it up to you guys to do the presenting, right? Because no one sells a product better than you do. Sure. But if we know that you're all using direct routing or you're all CSPs, well, then it's kind of up to you Mm. to put your best foot forward. From a comp perspective, everyone's right in line, right? Everyone's right at that between 20 and 23. So we're talking three points. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be the difference between a partner going one way or another. Mm. Might be a spiff here and there, but most spiffs are about the same now too. They're kind of slowly declining, right? They're not, they're not 12x or 10x or 6x any longer. They're all kind of dropping down a little bit lower, which I think is, is good. It's going to right size at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I think it's, it's the organization's ability to sell their product, their value add. And again, people, people make the difference. People buy from people. That's true. Are there any, um, solutions that, I guess are, well, let me ask you this. So are there any solutions out there that you find are the most exciting to be a part of? You know, I I think I, I love seeing how dynamic security is right now. Mm -hmm. You know, our partners are a little, they're a little scared to ask the questions about it, which I completely understand. It's not easy Mm -hmm. to sell service like this you have to be somewhat knowledgeable about it so we're all trying to provide that knowledge base but when i get demonstrations from these vendors saying that they can ingest their software into a network in less than 10 minutes and the entire network is now alive and online instantly that's cool Mm -hmm. like that's really cool because i don't know if you've ever sold a cable service (laughs) <laughs> um, there's 30% fallout an order gets put in place you think it's going to install 10-15 days sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does uh, info issue in-building riser fiber issue the del- you know that 10-15 day install ends up turning into 45-50 days customers pissed I, you tell me I could do it in minutes versus like waiting days or months and you know, or even years on big installs um if I'm a if I'm a partner, I'm getting to know the things that install fast too. Thinking, you know, that's pretty cool. And there's a demand for it. It's not mm-hmm. if it's when, right? So it, when you're going to get breached, when things are going to happen, right? 
I would try and learn as much about security as I could right now because that product, that product almost sells itself. It protects immediately, it installs immediately. Um, normally it's sold on a 12 month basis, not multi-contract, right? So it's a lump sum, lump sum payment as well. And so if the customer doesn't like it after that 12 month period, no problem. And I'll, I'll get that out and I'll ingest another service into it. Right. And we'll, right. So it's, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like a, a unique product that, that people offer. And I'm getting to learn more about the big R and the little R, right? What's response, what's remediation and what is like everyone does MBR, but do they all do it the same? Right. No. Um, yeah, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I used to sell, yeah. like, I'll tell you what I used to sell too. Um, when I first got in the business, I was, I was trying to get partners to sell Colo. Space mm-hmm. and power is easy. It takes five days to put a rack up. Goes into billing in a week. That means the customer's got to pay within 30 days. This is a great product. Colo is not easy, obviously, right? It's hard to get people to move one environment to another. Right. But those are products that I was going after. Like, you know what? Lit buildings, um, fiber that's going into a data center that's going into an audit building is pretty easy. Normally, it's like slotting a card and you're up and up and running and you're live. Hmm. When UCAS came out, Everyone's like, this is so simple. All you got to do is plug it in. <laughs> Shit. I did. It's plug and break. Voice is by far can be the most profitable. It can also be your biggest headache. Why is that? I can't make a phone call. I can't make a phone. You know, that would mm. kill people immediately. Mm. Yeah. A lot of money yeah. in it, though. A lot of money in it. Yeah. Well, and so you say voice and uh, this talking about trends and stuff. Everybody's talking about security. Yeah. Everybody's talking about CX, right? Yeah. CX yeah. is this is this major topic. And what I think is interesting is that it seems to mean something different to different people. You know, like <clears throat> on the supplier side, we think of CX and we, you know, we think CCAS, right? But from a TSD, you know, from your perspective, what is what does CCAS in your world mean? I look at CX as the customer experience, right? And that's really what it is. And it's all things that encompass a maybe a context in our offering, but it can be bolt-ons to UC, CC. Um, I met with an individual that told me that he's he's gonna coin a new term called DT as a sort of digital transformation as a service. And it's all the AI embedding options that you can bolt into CX or CC, you name it, right? Right. Um, we try and segment these categories, but these categories are getting more complicated now. So even for us, how, where do we put an AI company? Do we, do we put a voice AI company into CX? We have to create a new category for that. Right. And every partner would set it differently, right? So, um, we still separate UCCC. We know that CX kind of lives in that content center space for the most part, right? It's about it's about the buying trends of the end user and how you can enable them by using different methodology to provide the best experience for the end user, the buyer, and then providing the analytics behind it to the, the customer so that they enhance their their offering to their end user, right? So how, how their buyers are buying from that. Hmm. That's a great definition. And you were so quick with it. Like, I love that. Uh, I might have been doing this for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little, a little yeah. bit. Um, I love, yeah. And, you know, one thing that we've been talking about at Evolve is like, how does 
you know, we we're trying to do more with our, our DAS solution. Right. And, uh, I think there's a play there and I wanted to get your opinion on this. Like when we're talking about CCAS and, um, you know, customer satisfaction, obviously, but then, you know, reporting those analytics, that makes a ton of sense. But like, I wanted to get your thoughts on two things. So like, where do you think desktop as a service fits into CX? And then additionally, just DAS in general, do you think that like it should be more popular than it is? Or do you think it's just too, because like, I, I think partners have a hard time explaining what DAS, you know, what the use cases are for. Um, and since we sell it, obviously it's like, we could tell you all day, but I don't know. Let's start with the CX piece. Like, do you think there's a play for DAS in the CX space? I mean, I, I guess there could be, right? Uh, it is part of the experience overall. I think mm-hmm. DAS is more of a security measure, right? It's for loss of objects and loss of inventory and protecting protecting the uh, the company, but at the individual level, right? So if the individual loses it or it breaks, they just decommission that platform. It's basically a, an appliance, like an x86 appliance, right? That's running software on it that you can access from anywhere. Um, and it's a low-cost option as well, right? You can use any sort of, you can use a PC or you can use an Android, you can use whatever you want to use, right? Right. Um, I think there's a play for the two. If you're using apps and you're not using handsets and any of the others, yeah, you could probably bundle a product together and make mm-hmm. it more lucrative, like a business in a box, right? With yep. this desktop as a service comes this UC and CC offering where you've got an interface in it that allows you to scale really quickly. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about the box ever dying or, you know, someone stealing the PC out of your car. Right. We'll decommission that. We'll reprovision it, flash it, and send you a new one, and you're up and running again immediately. Numbers are there. Everything's ported. You don't have anything sitting on the laptop that you currently lost. Um, it's all living in the cloud. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I've, I've used desktop as a service. We used it early on when I was at Intellisys. It was, it was not my favorite thing, but I understood the reason. I understood the reason behind it, right? Yeah. We were carrying, we were traveling everywhere. We were carrying proprietary information on these PCs that if I were to lose any of that information, it, it could mean that someone got access to your commissioning platform. It could, you know, it, it could mean that they have the access to all of your financial data, all of your client database, all of the intel that, that you were hoping doesn't get out there. It's living on a PC that's, that I was carrying around with me. Mm-hmm. So I just had to get used to storing things on local drives, or not on local drives, but on you know, those, those drives that we were able to store our information on. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even here, we're using things in the cloud. We're using, um, God, I keep forgetting what, you know, OneNote now. What is it called now? Um, OneDrive or SharePoint? Or- oh, well, I used, yeah, SharePoint, OneDrive, you name it. One point, it would, it's SharePoint, it's one OneNote, it's SharePoint. It's, I mean, yes, I'm using all of those things. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, um, do you think there's still some hesitance from um, organizations to like move their infrastructure to the cloud? Or do you think that's being more 
Um, like there's not as much hesitance today or there's it's because if you're a, you know, if you're like a, a CISO or a CTO, you're obviously concerned about the integrity of your business applications and data. Right. But do you, do you think that that's still a scary thought to them today or is that? No, I, I would question that CISO that doesn't want to move things virtually. Right. I would question them not wanting to move things in the cloud. That hardware that they have it stored on today is going to come to end of life. Are they buying active active everywhere? Do they have it replicated everywhere? How really, how really protected do you think you are? Mm. I've got geo redundant protection when I go into the cloud. I've got, I'm managing my applications, which is what's core to the business anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're managing the OS. I mean, I'm living in your operating system, so I don't care about that. I don't want to call my people because the box stopped running at two in the morning. Tell them they need to get up and go to the data center. Mm -hmm. uh, that thing dies. You flash it, drop in a new, you drive, and you're up and running again. I, mm -hmm. I just think that it's inherently a better place for people to put their infrastructures in the cloud. Yes, they're going to get breached. You know, like it's not if and it's when everything's going to be. That's why you have insurance. That's why you have security measures in place. And if you're not doing those things to protect yourself, then you weren't protected anyway in the first place, right? Like being in a premise-based environment. Right. So I still think, I still think that there's people that would say that. And you, when you really dig in and peel back the onion, are they actually protecting themselves anyway in their current environment? Probably. Mm. That's a good point. Hmm. Um, okay. So what do you think is next for Avant? What do you have? What, what does Eddie have planned in the next couple of years? World domination. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like I um, I was fortunate enough that uh, recently we, we rolled out a new strategy within the business, right? We've got a lot of very tenured partners that have been working with some very senior and seasoned channel managers for a number of years. Um, we're going to continue that, that method, right? We're going to go with that same model. Our, our top people are working with our tenured partners and they're going to continue to do that. I think you're going to see this across the board. Everyone's going to look to get deeper and wider with their partner ecosystem and really start enabling them by providing them dedicated resources that can actually spend time with that next tier partner, that newer partner that needs more handholding, doesn't understand rules of engagement, doesn't understand how to work with us versus others uh, doesn't understand that you can get all these things given to you uh, that you shouldn't be spending your time putting together your quotes. You shouldn't be spending your time doing your deal registrations. You should be spending your time with your end users and customers and trying to solve their business challenges. We are going to deliver that to our partners and we're doing it right now and we're doing it nationally, almost in the same fashion that our channel directors that have been with us for a long time are doing it. I now have people in the East Coast, I have people in the Central, I have people in the West, and we are already seeing really good traction. We've only rolled this out in 60 days. Partners that signed with us wanted to do business with us. We just didn't have enough resources dedicated to them. So when you stop knocking on the door and you stop offering the assistance, they stop calling you back. Mm -hmm. I've got to be proactive. I've got to be responsive. I've got to be available. I'm now giving that newer partner all those things. Mm. I'm probably going to have to add a lot more resources and I hope I break the wheel. 
So what's your advice to, um, I guess, uh, I want your advice on a couple of things. So like, what's your advice to suppliers, I guess, selfishly for me, like what, what's, what's your high level advice to somebody like an Evolve IP? If you want to, if you want to be a good program, spend time with the newer partners as well. I think some of the, some of the older partners that may have gotten you to that point that, you know, you're, you're hitting your numbers consistently. They're not going to always continue selling with everyone's strategy changes. All of these business partners, their strategy changes throughout the years. They find emotion with the new technology and they adopt it really quickly and they love it. Well, you're going to be looking back going, who stole my cheese? I mean, really, and so you need to invest in all of these partners. You need to get to know them. You need to work closely with your channel managers at these TSDs as well. Maybe, maybe doing a little account mapping, but, but not just account mapping. Like who's actually selling this stuff? Who's probably a good person for me to work with? You don't need to boil the ocean. You just need to find your next 10 or 15 partners that are going to do, do well by you. And that trust what you're offering is going to help them grow the business. Love that. And lastly, what advice do you have to younger Eddie when he first got into the TSD world? <laughs> um, you know, take, take some time to embrace all of the changes that are coming right now. Like when I got into the business early on, it was a lot of fun. It was very different. Um, I was trying to find a place for myself, right? Everyone's trying to make their mark with their fingerprint on the business. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that I, I should have done things slightly differently, maybe not completely differently. I was, I was a pretty responsive guy. It was pretty available. I needed a better work-life balance. It was more work than life. Mm. And so I'm, I'm sitting here later in my years with a, a kid in college and another one going into high school thinking, man, I, I hope I didn't miss all those moments because I'll get them back. Hmm. That is good advice. I think that's good advice for everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Eddie, I had a lot of fun, man. Um, yeah. We got to do this again. I know uh, we could probably go on for another hour, but I know yeah. you got a, a busy day and uh, I'm sure you've got some Memorial Day plans. So um, we'll end it there. But um how can people reach out to you? How can they find you? Um, you know, see what you got going on. Well, uh, look me up on LinkedIn. My name is Eddie Acosta. You can shoot me an email at eacosta at goavant.net. I would give you my number, but uh, you'll probably find it. It's, it's all over. It's, it's, it's out there. It's easy. If you want to reach me, you can just shoot me a note and uh, look forward to meeting everybody out there. Look, we're, uh, we're excited to be. I'm excited to be part of this podcast. Zach, thank you for the invitation. It was a lot of fun. I look Absolutely. forward to doing this again in the future. Yeah, I hope we can. It's been fun, man. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks. That's a wrap on this episode of the Channel Champions podcast. You can find this and all our episodes on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite streaming platforms. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, guests, or topics, please reach out to us. We appreciate you coming along with us on this journey and hope you'll be back for the next episode. Until then, stay tuned, stay connected, and stay inspired.